generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. First Corinthians chapter 9, 16 to 23. Can we read together at the count of three to one? Let's read. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. Continue. gospel sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. This is a very loaded passage by or, or written by one of the most prolific proponents of the gospel in recorded history, Apostle Paul who goes ahead to literally win thousands of people baptized very few people but won so many thousands of people directly and indirectly was able to build mega spiritual structures that transcended the times and the seasons that he lived physically and then he gave us certain tools. So we ought to pay attention to the ministry of Paul. He is what you might call a model or an embodiment of a, of a certain level of truth and revelation when it comes to soul winning. So please pay attention this morning. We're going to be forensic. We're going to look at our own lives. We're going to look at the importance of the gospel, the urgency of the gospel, and why we must share the gospel, and then how we should share the gospel. I think the first thing I want to mention is that the gospel is not the works of men. The gospel is not the works of men. So what gives part of the gospel is not what men are able to do. It is not the loudness of my voice that makes the gospel powerful. It is not the charismatic disposition I employ or engage that makes the gospel powerful. It is not how oratorically convincing and persuasive I am that makes the gospel powerful. I hope that you're literally following this. And I said in the first service that God uses imperfect men to perfect his purposes in imperfect people. I also made mention of the fact that God does not use perfect people, but he uses the spirits of just men who are made perfect. So when it says that we've come to Mount Zion, it does not say we've come to a city of perfect people. He said that we have come to the place where the spirits of just men are made perfect. This is the reason we have things like sanctification, which is the progressive cleaning of the internal environment or configuration of the man in Christ. He is not yet perfected in his entirety. He's perfected in the spirit. He's being perfected in his soul realm. And one day he's going to, be, we are going to be perfected in our bodies. Amen. 
we're going to be perfected in our bodies. Our, our immortality will be swallowed up. Sorry, our mortality will be swallowed up by immortality. So it is not that you need to be good, great, or eloquent. So Paul, being the greatest proponent of the gospel, we see that his CV does not necessarily prepare him to be the best man for the job. Because this is somebody who actually galvanized a movement against Christ and against the body of Christ. I don't know who you are, but there might be somebody right now in the sound of my voice who is saying, I'm not even good enough, I'm not even worthy enough. But I want to tell you something about the gospel. The gospel is the content that has the power to fix its container. It is important to realize that. That many of us, we feel like my container has to be perfect. And don't forget, we're all for sanctification. There's a place for that. If any man cleanses himself or purges himself, shall be a vessel unto honor, not unto dishonor. That is very true. But what is also true is that nobody ever receives the gospel perfect. In other words, perfection is not a qualification to receive the gospel. Therefore, if perfection is not a qualification to receive the gospel, perfection is not a qualification to dispense the gospel. Because the gospel is not the good news of how good man is. The gospel is the good news of how good God is in spite of how bad man is. And so when you look at the parables, and we looked at one of the parables last week, remember the th uh, when God throws a party, and we homed in on one of them, which was the parable of the lost boy. But in that parable, or in that chapter, there are three parables. There is the parable of the lost coin. There's the parable of the lost sheep. And there's the parable of the lost boy. Three parables establishing a principle or delineating to us the lostness of things and the lostness of the human condition, the depravity of the human condition on different levels. The lost coin, watch this, was lost in the house. The lost sheep was lost in the field. The lost boy was lost in the country. So that whether you are lost in the house, lost in the field, or lost in the country, you're not too lost to be saved by God. Not only were they lost, the lost coin was lost and he did not know it was lost. The lost sheep was lost and knew it was lost but he couldn't do anything about it. Because had no sat nav, no GPS. The lost boy was lost and he knew he could do something about it. So whether you're so lost that you don't know you are lost like some of your friends. Or somebody's lost and the person knows I'm lost but I can't do anything about it. Or you're lost and you can do something about it. God says that the gospel power is strong enough to rob you of your lostness and find you wherever you are. Oh my God, somebody didn't hear what I just said. Somebody shout gospel power. I didn't say say it, you said it. I said shout gospel power. I love that energy. Can you raise it up a notch higher and say gospel power? So see that, that we don't need to be perfect. Listen please, even our presentation does not have to be perfect. So if you've traveled to maybe Turkey or, or Dubai or China, Hong Kong, anybody gone to some of those countries where maybe many of the shops, the operators of those shops, they don't speak accurate English or grammar. It's sort of like broken. Anybody like that? Or maybe you call their support system on the line. And you notice that they are not very smooth, they're not very articulate, they're not very maybe sometimes confident, but they still express enough of what you need to know. So grammatical accuracy is not a prerequisite for gospel efficacy. 
I'm trying to help somebody to know that when we come, when we speak about preaching the gospel, many of us have this idea that it needs to be a perfect presentation. See, the presentation that is already perfected is the presentation of the body of Christ on the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection, that is a perfect presentation. And this is the reason, are you understanding this? This is the reason the first presentation of the gospel from the cross was as imperfect as you could imagine. It was Jesus testifying of saying to a literal, literally bloodied and bloody criminal. So the first gospel presentation on the cross was Jesus naked. Your clothes don't matter. Well, some of y'all didn't get that. I'm not saying go around nude. I'm saying if you had seen Jesus on the cross, he was not even rich enough. He didn't look rich enough to be able to afford his rich robes, which they had already divided. So he was naked. Now, many of us will want to preach, am I looking good? Your good looks will not redeem them from their bad state. Is somebody here. Isn't it interesting that Christ in the most vulnerable states preached the gospel? Please help me look at your neighbor. Say, what's your excuse again? Look at your neighbor. Say, what is your excuse again? Vicky, you, you're getting this. The only crown he had was a crown of thorns. No three-piece suit. No Louis Vuitton bag. No Elizabeth Arden perfume. No Mont Blanc watch. No Breitling accessory. Give me some more. No Tom Ford, pocket square. No silky. Just as it was. As if Jesus was trying to explain to us that as messed up as your physical condition may even appear, the gospel is powerful enough to save. That many times we have layered on so many things that are not the gospel, yet we don't manifest the power of the gospel. Thank God for the Christmas tree, but Christ didn't die on one. Thank God for the smoke machine, but the first time we saw glory cloud, no machine was involved. And thank God for Uncle Adewale wanted to choke us on stage. There was a certain point on Wednesday. It was like, <laughs> How many of you noticed that? I'm like, dude, what's up? Somebody shout gospel power. I want to shout aloud the gospel power. Auntie Helen, it's good to see you this morning. Auntie Helen has been through certain experiences and she can testify that in the middle of those experiences, Auntie Helen, what keeps you standing? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul said to Timothy, he said to Timothy, he said, stand strong in the grace. Yeah, do you know what robs many of us? The physical things we don't have. Or the false projection that when I earn more, I will have more time to preach better. I can assure you that that's not true. Because the parameters that will change in your life to cause you to earn more will take more of the time you think you don't have. <laughs> Did you get that? So it is not about perfection. 
we must have the conviction that is predicated on true understanding. That's, these are the things I want to help us deal with this morning. So God comes and he picks Paul. Paul is an outlier and is an outlier, first of all, in the religious circle. Pharisee of Pharisees, professor of law, incredible communicator, great mind, convincing, pre presenting all of that. But he's doing it against the gospel until God literally arrests him. And when God arrests him, he breaks down and he asks the question that I think everybody must keep asking for the rest of this year and possibly for the rest of your life. What do you want me to do, Lord? I don't want to talk about that because I spent about 20 or so minutes dealing with that in the first service. Now, the value of your life is not in you doing everything you can do or how you can do it, but how well you do what the Lord says to do. Your life is on a time allocation. God has budgeted your time. You see what I'm saying now? So God encounters him and Paul, God says to him, I want you, I want to Acts 26 and verse 18. Uh, and we began to look at what God said to Paul, I want you, my purpose for you is for you to be a minister and a witness. And that you are going to turn people from their blindness, turn them from darkness to light, and then you'll bring them from a, 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 under the power of Satan into the kingdom of light, that they might receive forgiveness of sins, he says, and an inheritance amongst those who are being sanctified by faith in me. So we read all of that from Acts 26, 16 through 18. What is our assignment? Paul now begins to say, when it's right to the Corinthian church, he said, see, let me tell you guys something. I have a goal. And my goal, my idea, my agenda here is if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Paul is saying that preaching the gospel is not something I am doing because I want to be able to amass accolades. Of course, there are rewards for it, and it speaks about rewards for it. We'll talk about that. But he is saying that necessity is laid upon me. Now the situation is beyond me trying to tick the boxes or trying to ensure that my conscience is free of guilt and condemnation. He is saying that this is a desperate situation. And we looked at that in the first service. That anybody who is not saved, no matter how rich they are, they are still blind. No matter how beautiful they are, they are still blind. No matter how charismatic they are, they are still blind. So there is literally a world of blind people who are trying. Don't forget, if somebody is visually impaired, then how do they move through? What do they have to move through? What do they have to move through? Tell me. They have to feel their way through. Which means anytime I'm being led by my feelings, I'm operating in the domain of darkness. They literally have to feel that. In other words, the life that is led by feelings is a canal life. I eat when I feel like. I sleep without when I feel like. Sleep with him when I feel like. I still when I feel like. Because I'm not operating the light of accurate truth. I am dependent on my feelings. Because that's the way a blind person is going to be able to feel his way through the landscape of life. It's too complex. It's too difficult. He can't see it. So he's got to be able to feel his way through. And there are even believers who operate by feelings. I feel good this week. Ah, my offering will be 25000 I don't feel God really did his job quite well last week. Uh, uh, God was quite busy. Bold traffic held him down, my matter. So God, don't worry. 
you are the one that said a laborer is worthy of his wages. Next time you labor hard, we don't say it like that. You see now, nobody says it like that. But that's the unspoken disposition of our actions. So, it says, this is the purpose. I want to make you a minister. And I spoke about universal purpose and unique purpose. I don't want to go into that as well. So, a couple of things. Why must we then preach the gospel? Paul says, necessity is laid upon me. That souls depend on this. He said, if I do this willingly, I have a reward. So the preaching of the gospel alone does not guarantee my rewards. Paul is being so gradual and so specific. He's saying that I have, there's a way I should do it. In other words, you know in some ministries, some movements, there's soul winners department, soul winners commission. Could it be possible that some people might be surprised that you want so many souls but you want them for the wrong reasons? <laughs> And yes, they are saved, and I believe you still get a reward, but there are certain rewards you may not get. Because Paul is clear here in verse 17, look at it. What does it say? If I do this, how? Willingly, I have a reward. But if it is against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. A stewardship is a responsibility. In other words, God himself does not take on the stewardship or the responsibility of soul winning. God has commissioned you. Look, it sounds like God has commissioned you. Therefore, are we ambassadors for Christ? 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 17. If any man be in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away, all things have become new. And then it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the world, seen upon them, but that they might be saved. It said, wherefore he has also given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given it to us. He has given it to us. My question is, sir and ma'am, please, what are you doing with that ministry? And so let's quickly do a, a quick assignment like we did in the first service. Please, can you write down, down, write down, down, write down, down. <laughs> How many souls can you trace to your ministry this, week, this year? How many souls? That made salvation decisions. <laughs> Some people are shaking their heads. Like, chai, see my score sheet. How many of you are grateful that you're, you're not only going to be graded for soul winning? Because if it's just soul winning, sure you know that. That F. <laughs> Fantastic. There are many other things. Every work will be judged. Your disposition and service will be judged. Your response to the service will be judged. Giving will be judged. Good works to strangers will be judged. Strangers, orphans, and widows will be judged. Obey, uh, compliance and obedience to authority st structures in your life will be judged. Spontaneous obedience, test trials, disposition under temptation, because the blessed is that overcomes temptation. Every temptation you overcame, there will be a reward. Are you aware of that? And every temptation you didn't overcome, not overcoming temptation was the reward you already enjoyed. So y'all, you don't understand. Only she has said plus punishment. <laughs> it's like a person keeping the logbook. <laughs> 
blessed is he that overcomes temptation for shall receive a reward. You see that now. Um, so there are many things that don't be scared. It's not just soul winning because if it's that soul winning, hey. Mm. But write it down. Just try to think. Some, there might be the odd one and a half or two persons. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> but write it down. He said, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. What is a stewardship? That is taking responsibility like a steward. And the steward literally determines the state of the resources within his care. In other words, the assignment we've been given as soul winners is a stewardship assignment. The state of the souls within our purview are not dependent on the Nigerian situation or the African economy or the global pandemic. It is dependent on our faithfulness in stewardship. Somebody say, I hear, I hear. Shout louder, I hear, I hear. So a couple of things that we must keep in mind. Why must we preach the gospel? Before I talk about why we must preach the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is not moral elevation or transcendence. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel does not mean, oh, I used to smoke weed, or, or weed used to smoke me, or this used to happen, and I no longer do that. It is not a function of deeds, okay? The gospel... It's the good news of God's salvation. That mortal men by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ can become the sons of God. It is the transformational experience which is done by the effectual working of the Holy Spirit through the good news of, of Christ's finished work in the heart of people. So the gospel is not a refurbishing, an upgrade, an elevation, an update is a complete change. It is not a moral evaluation of character traits. It is not a reduction in the frequency of wrongdoing. It is not the strategic elimination of bad habits. In fact, you can do all of that and not be saved. A saved believer who is struggling with a habit is accepted before God and an unbeliever who is morally clean is not accepted. So you are not accepted because of your deeds or your misdeeds. You are accepted because of what you did with what God did. You are not accepted or rejected by God because of your deeds or your misdeeds. You are accepted because of what you did with what Christ did. In other words, what did Christ do? He came, I explained it last week or two weeks ago, when we do the ring, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, uh, the ring, the, remember the illustration? with Bemi again, all of that. He came, took your place, and is saying, if you believe in me, you have life, you have everlasting life. The Zoe, you are engrafted into the family of God. Behold, what matter of love the Father has given unto us, first John 3, verse 1, that we shall be called the sons of God. So, beloved, now are we the sons of God? Does not yet appear what shall be, but we know when we see him, we shall be like him, the twinkle of an eye. Right? So, we know that is going to happen. So, it's not about your deeds, it is more about your faith than your feelings. In fact, it's not about your feelings, it's really about your faith. Your feelings can catch up later. Now, once you don't understand this gospel, you will not be able to share it effectively. 
because you will judge people based on how far you think they are. You will see the weed smoker and in your own mind, you will intentionally be prejudicial. You will say to yourself, this man is too rotten smoking weed for him to be rescued from the forest. You will look at the agbaru on the bus or the man on the street or the cleavage merchant on your timeline. The Jesus baby. Small girl. And big other things. And you will judge that person and say, this one is too lost. But listen, the reach of the gospel is infinite. That means nobody is too far for the word to reach. Oh, some of you didn't hear that. It's infinite in length. So number one, why must we preach the gospel? Why must we share? We must share the gospel because it's the greatest gift you can give. It is the greatest gift you can give, that you can give. I'll explain something to you. The greatest gift a man can receive, a human can receive, is not necessarily the gospel. <laughs> hey, I've come. Say, so you're confusing me. No, I'm trying to explain. The greatest gift you can receive is not the gospel. Do you know how I know? What did Jesus say to the disciples? What did Jesus say to the disciples? Jesus said to them, Fear not, little flock for it is the father's good pleasure to give you what so what's the greatest gift man can be given the kingdom but who gives the kingdom the king gives the kingdom man does not give another man the kingdom because he's trying to get it himself but the greatest gift a human being can give with God on God's behalf is not the kingdom, is what? Is what? The gospel. Why? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And salvation is the access code into the kingdom. In fact, it is the access code to see the kingdom. So in John 3 3, and most people think it's just soteriology, which is the gospel of salvation. But it's not just uh, soteriology. The, the soteriology there, the gospel of salvation in there is pointing to something. It's not an end in itself. That's why I said, accept him. And look at what the man, look at the conversation. The man comes to Jesus and says, teacher, nobody can do these things that you do except God be with him. You, you remember that? And Jesus then says, what does Jesus say? He said, except a man be born again. He cannot See, in other words, no matter what people tell you, if they are not saved, they have no cognitive awareness, no articulable perception of the kingdom of God. They can put God's name, Jesus, maybe carry a big Bible gift to churches, but he's saying that just the same way Christ is the light, the lights of the world, and a baby, no matter how big and corporate the eyes of the baby are, until that baby opens its eyes outside of the mother's womb and sees the first flicker of light, it cannot see anything outside. You 
you understand in that? The baby is authentic and validated in the belly of the mother, but it must be born into this world for its olfactory faculties to come alive. Similarly, this person may have a divine agenda in God, but until he's born again, he has no cognitive awareness of the realities of the realms of God or the truths of the verities of Zion. He is blind, he is lost, he will do what sinners do, which is their sin, and moral judgment does not fix the story. Only the gospel has the power to transform that heart. Are you understanding this? The baby doesn't see. He has eyes, but he can't see. Now, many of us, we see, but we've not even entered because there's a different dimension. You can see and not enter. Ask people who got to Britain on fake passports. <laughs> or America, after they had been put on the ban list, maybe terror list or some kind of international crime, whatever, you know, if you're traveling and they escort you to one place, your immigration, everybody's immigration. You're wondering, I didn't carry iguana, I didn't carry Aaron Bear in my bag. There was one time they stopped me. I didn't know that there was a, was it pair of scissors or something? I had, was it pair of scissors or blade, letter blade or whatever? I was feeling cool. Sir, sir, what do you have in the bag? I have my books, I have my things, my clothes. Any sharp objects? No, sharp objects? No, 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 no. I was being so confident. So they escorted me somewhere. And they brought out the sharp object. When they escort you to that place and you're there for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, you have to start racing. Then after a while, now say, sorry, we'll be back. You know, it's like four of them. <laughs> it's possible for you to get to the airport, but you did not enter the, the place. Not the plane, you even got to the plane now. You've landed safe, but you didn't enter. Are you understanding this? In our text, it says that if you are not born again, you are not even seeing it. Give me that text, John 3. You're not even seeing it. Then he says, watch this, for you to enter, which is a different experience, verse 4. Look at what Jesus said. He said, most assuredly. So this one, I'm not tricking you. Most assuredly. Treat every verity. And he said, you can't accept a man born again by man, human, male, female. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What Nicodemus did not understand is that the first birth, watch this, for the first breath to happen, when the seed of that baby was planted in the mother, it was not the baby that manipulated its way into it. So for you to be born again, you are not the one now to enter. <laughs> you are not the one to enter. It is the work of God. So what we do when we preach the gospel is that there's the impartation of the pure seed of God's truth. That seed of God's truth carries God's life. That God's life produces God's faith in the heart of the hearer. Are you understanding this? And then the hearer has to respond by faith. And when he responds by faith and believes in Christ, in, that Christ has paid the price for his sin, he is justified. So can he enter into mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, real quick. Verse 5. Jesus answered, most, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of 
water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God so salvation initiates the journey in the kingdom what it also means is the reason God will call a people, a house, a church, say the early church, the explosive power and grace of God upon their lives was triggered not by them looking after other things, but there was such a burden to share. Do you understand? Because the king of the the things of the kingdom multiply by how? By how? Sharing. So we must share is the greatest gift. Second Corinthians 9 verse 15. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts. Number two, why should we share? I said it's the greatest prize in Matthew 13. Many times we see, sorry, Matthew. Many times we see parables in the book of Matthew where it says that a man went to look for treasure. So the treasure of the kingdom, time doesn't erode it. Opposition cannot corrode it. People may deride it, but even the devil cannot divide it. The treasure. He said, this man, he found a pearl of great treasure. GBI, you sleeping? Found a pearl of great treasure. I need you writing. Write, write, write. Take notes. Take note. He said, this man went everywhere. And then when he found it, you see, because many times we assume we know. Many times. Until we ask a question, how many people have been saved through us? And then we discover that maybe you actually know a lot intellectually, but we've not allowed it to seep into our beings and to condition our responses and we will take responsibility gift of salvation a pearl of great prize finds that pearl the field is like the kingdom and the life of God is like that precious jewel in the field so he buys the whole field dedicates his whole life and pursues begins to explore this kingdom verse number two souls will perish without the good news if we don't share, there is a consequence. Souls are going to perish. Souls will perish if we don't share the good news. Mark chapter 8, 34 to 38. Mark 8, 34 to 38. When he had called the people to himself, you can give that to us media, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Master life. And take up his cross and let him do what? So you are with me. Don't forget it says fear not little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means that even though you're a member of the flock, you have not received the fullness of the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom is dispensed in doses. The kingdom, watch this, is not just dispensed by grace. It's dispensed by response and alignment with the truth. Because Christ is full of grace and truth. Salvation is shared by the truth and imparted by grace. The kingdom is dispensed to the citizen. Are you understanding? So one of the parables says that the prince went that he might receive a kingdom. Because in receiving a kingdom, sometimes not everything is given to you at once. <laughs> it's like a father's will. And the father writes the will and says, okay, when this person graduates at 18, or if this person does his master's degree or this person you know decides not to move to Canada you know we'll give him the farm in Abel Kuta but if he moves to Canada we'll just give him coconut basket I'm not saying anybody is saying that I'm just so, so whoever desires to save his life what's, what's going to happen to that person come on people 
Let's shout louder. Now, if I was prophesying, receive a new car before the end of the year. As a matter of fact, let me prophesy that to somebody. Receive a new car before the end of 2020. It just might be for the prophesying prophet himself. Receive a new car before the end of 2020. But do you know what my real prophecy is or what I really want you to receive for us as a people? I'm trusting God over the next 10 days. Together, we'll be able to celebrate a hundred souls saved in the name of Jesus. Do you know that until my response to the invisible realm is stronger than my response to the natural realm, my faith is still below the level of maturity. Is, is the truth. I mean, it might be hard, but if I get more excited about what I can touch, then I'm still materially driven. So he says here, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, not for accident's sake, for whose sake? Because some people lose their life, stray bullets, God forbid, so sad, the NSAS thing, lot, 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 lots of deaths this year in different ways, Black Lives Matter, and we do not in any way gloat over that or even rejoice about it. But the point there is that lives can be lost in different ways. And Jesus is saying that the fact that somebody loses life does not make him a martyr. It's the reason for which he lost it that determines the weight of the attributable or corresponding sacrifice as a result of that loss. So it says, whoever loses life for my sake, that's one. What's the next thing? Look at that. Many of us have never paid attention to the distinction. He said there are two dimensions of sacrifice. There's the dimension of sacrifice where you lose your life for Christ's sake. But there is another dimension which many people don't teach us about. Is that you can choose to take strategic losses in your life because of the gospel. Are you following this? This is different from being saved or loving God. This is where we ought to get, get to that you are saying, this is so, there's certain people who will be like, oh, I'm walking today this Sunday, so I'm not going to be at King's Pastor. Please let me be excused. It's a level of thinking. There's a level of another thinking that some of us have come to, even when there are business opportunities or ministry opportunities or itinerant opportunities or rest opportunities or vacational opportunities, there are times where intentionally forfeit them. Are you understanding? Because you choose... The level of rewards in many aspects of your walk with God. Oh, some of y'all don't know that. Paul understood it. He said, if I preach this thing willingly, me, I know there are rewards. This is Jesus saying, whoever loses life for my sake, one, what's the second thing? And the gospels will save it. And then he does not end there. He says, for what will it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me. Ha! Huh. Some of you have not read this passage in a long time. How many of you grew up in churches or environments where this scripture used to afflict you? Say, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. <laughs> but it's the Bible. In other words, if you don't intentionally put yourself out there for me at the celebration of the rewards, 
what you might get might just be one plastic takeaway. I was there. How many remember I was there? Remember I was there seven years? <laughs> My wife and I have been to certain parties, certain events. In fact, let me even tell you one of the things that happened last, uh, last holiday, what's it called? Last school term? You know, last school term. My goodness. Some of the souvenirs that some of the, the children brought for their birthdays, right? You know, some of the souvenirs, like heavy stuff. And then you go for some of those weddings. Or when you're carrying the souvenirs, it's like heavy stuff, right? But there are some others, and I'm not despising anybody. There's some others. It's just like this plastic fan or mask. I was there. They were now printed there. Or water bottle. Eh? <laughs> Does anybody still use stickers? Let me tell you. When it's time to celebrate, this part of why I'm also looking at my life that holds my energy, energetic preaching. But how many souls have you saved you? Because charisma will not cover the cushion of salvation. You cannot transfer your grades in GST 101 to MSC 311. So you are great in spontaneous worship. But do you spontaneously preach to the unsaved? Everybody says you are fine, you are fine. Are angels wondering what you are doing with your finest? He says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Because for many of us, again, the problem is not being ashamed of Jesus. We are very proud of Jesus, but we never say anything about it. He didn't just say proud of me or ashamed of me. He said, ashamed of me and my what? When was the last time you did a carousel on Instagram or Twitter? to lead people through the gospel or to tell your salvation story or a video. In the days that we're in, all of us need to make a commitment to do it at least once a week. A commitment. He says, if you do that, in this how, what kind of generation? Adulterous and? If Jesus said his own generation 2,000 years ago was adulterous, how are we going to describe this one? Eh? <laughs> this generation where people wear thick belts and call it skirts. The bust tops will be the bust stop. We're setting box stop. Jesus called it. He said, I know it's an adulterous generation. I know it's a sinful generation. I know it's a trying generation. I know that people are going to judge you. I know people are going to say, who even says that these days? I know that everybody is now inclusive. And can you imagine that you have a generation where everybody can afford, afford to offend everybody, including God? And when you highlight anything that is below the stance of God, they say, don't judge. Don't judge. So you two, you keep your mouth shut. I'm not judging, no. I'm not judging. He says, of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Why? Because the parameters are high, the stakes are high. I gotta run. Number three, I've got to run. We must preach the gospel because it is God's power unto salvation. 
It is God's power unto salvation. God brings people into salvation through the foolishness of preaching. What's the foolishness of preaching? That when you hear the gospel message, it sounds weak. It sounds basic. How many of you know that sometimes it may even sound almost boring to you? I, do you understand what I'm saying? Almost like, doesn't everybody know? Doesn't Jesus, isn't everybody aware that Jesus loves them? So you don't know that Jesus loves you? Eh? Wow. <laughs> We're looking for like the high energy, high octane, blood rippling, blood pumping, pump, 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 pump. <laughs> You're looking for that, like it's, it's got to be like fiery and all. But look at what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God he says for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise see when you really pay attention to the gospel and look at the intricacies then you see that in the gospel the full manifestation of the glory of God was encoded and enshrined and the explosive power of that reality was committed how can it make sense that God makes men out of the dust of the earth and man because of intrinsic failures and frailties he falls from grace but God says I'm not going to break him crush him and crash him but I am going to make a way to become like that same fallen man without participating in his fallen state and I am going to become like him take his place take his sufferings and if he believes in me come on if he believes in me he will be like me this may not make sense to the natural man but he says that this is the transformational agency that by the preaching of the gospel addictions are snapped loose by the preaching of the gospel age-long issues are resolved by the preaching of the gospel genealogical ties are broken and redefined by the preaching of the gospel the eternal destination is changed from suffering and shame to glory and exaltation by the preaching of the gospel the failure of man is replaced and swallowed by the power of God that by the preaching of the gospel people who were not a people can become a people that the preaching of the gospel no matter how soaked your hands are the crimson stain on your soul are purged by the purifying power of the mercy and the grace of God by the preaching of the gospel a man who was known to be a murderer called Moses becomes one of the greatest proponents of the will of God by the preaching of the gospel God preached the gospel unto Abraham and showed him times and times to come that Noah was called a preacher of, right, a preacher of righteousness that David was able to see the times and the years and the age before before and beyond his time by the preaching of the gospel. Do you know that Paul planted churches without the Bible as we know it? By the preaching of the gospel. No Bible, no commentary, no concordance, no microphone, no pulpit, no platform, no altar, no ushers, no admin as we know it. Yet the prolific, pervasive, persuasive, penetrative power of the gospel was able to open up territories, displace demons, undo strongholds, elevate environments, shift the mood of cities and nations, but the was 
great joy in the city. Engage the ministry of angels. Move things up. Shift the landscape. Change civilizations. Shape cultures, generations, and orientation by the preaching of the gospel. Stop looking for extra. Stop looking for more. Stop looking for greater. Be faithful what it means. You want to raise the dead? Preach the gospel. You want to see goita disappear? Preach the gospel. You want to see spinal cords straighten out? Preach the gospel. You want to see ailments in your body melt away? Preach the gospel. You want to see a dramatic, outrageous, exposed, explosive, expensive, pervasive power of God in your life? Preach the gospel. You want to stop watching porn? Commit to soul winning. You want to stop withholding God's money when it says give? Commit to soul winning. Because when you begin to make the switch, the grace of God begins to explode because grace comes with use. And most people are looking for only imparted grace. Imparted grace is good. Your pastor can impart grace. This teaching has imparted a lot of grace. I know it. Prophets can impart grace. Spiritual fathers can impart grace. But let me tell you the greatest impartation of grace. The gospel of grace imparts grace. <laughs> that the more you share the gospel of grace, grace has been unlocked. Grace begins to multiply. Grace begins to expand. Things begin to happen. When you begin to operate in the grace of the gospel, Somebody shout, I will preach the gospel. Somebody shout, I will share this gift. Somebody did not shout it, I said share this gift. I'm getting ready to close. Somebody shout out, share this gift. He said, this is the problem, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? that write people that philosophize so where are they where's the disputer of this age he said has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God so by all the surveys philosophy so as, uh, actual science projection business analysis all those fantastic scientific tools that can serve the gospel he said God was not designed to be discovered by man's inquisition God decided to reveal himself. He does not just want to be a topic to be studied. He wants to be a person to be known. Some of y'all didn't get that. A topic to be studied can be revealed through explanation. A person to be known and loved is revealed through personal revelation. He said God did not ordain it that you will grasp the fullness of God by reading and reading and reading. Daddy, oh, you can't be sleeping when I'm teaching like this. Oh yeah, I'm calling people out this morning. Oh yes. It said it's got to be by wisdom. His own wisdom. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So that when you are saved, you will not have to rely on your physical, on your psychological construct or intellectual capacity to remain saved. But the same way you demonstrated faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, you also demonstrate faith and trust in that finished work when you're in salvation. Are you understanding that? Verse 21. Verse 22. It says this is the problem. For Jews request a sign. <laughs> and Greeks, what do they do? These are the two major clusters of people alive today, till today. There's the Jewish shield, landscape, 
the Jewish kind of persons and there is the Greek kind of persons. You can see this in the nations of the world. Africa, do we seek science or do we seek wisdom? Yeah. We seek science. God, if you're for me, let 300 tigers fly across my sky tonight. <laughs> Lord, if you really, I know you passed them as preacher well to deal. Fantastic message. I'm convicted. But if this message, you want me to win souls today, let an antelope greet me at the door. <laughs> exactly. My wife said, if this relationship is not your will, break it, God. God is not your breaking assistant. If you know you should break it, break it, yeah. Some people, God, if you want me to give big money today, let it be the first man that comes out of my pocket dream offering. God, if you really want me to give that 100K to the uh, generator, even though I've reached my limit <laughs> of transfer, let it go through. Magician. But check your life. Not your fault you grew up like that. Many of our decisions have been predicated on science. So if we have a meeting and we've had those meetings where people fall under the anointing, that's a sign God was in the house. Sign! Then you have some simple services or meetings. No dramatic display. Ah! It was, it was okay. You know, sex is always good, Shah, but it was just not. Sign. And what we don't realize is that sometimes the administration of wisdom comes with less drama. But with more long-term fruit. And sometimes, the fact that the signs are there does not mean you know how to read them. Because it's one thing to see the signs, but do you understand the language? Sign language. Remember, was it Mandela's funeral some years ago where there was the dramatic sign language guy? Who remembers the scandal? It was very dramatic. The guy was like, really? <laughs> Even though it was that you understand sign, he said, this guy is quite suspicious. And then I think the next day, the media was awash with it that the guy was just... <laughs> he said the Jews they request a sign God if 2020 is my year let the moon only the moon in my own compound let it be green tonight God let me come where many of you are God if you really want me to go to Canada my God let Pastor Damien close service after 12 today Because sometimes we also set up signs that we know are already predictable. So that you can, <laughs> you can convince yourself that God is speaking when you know that is what you want. So here's the point. It says the, <laughs> it says the Jews request a sign. Greeks, they, they are seeking. 
Now the Europeans, are they more Greekish or Jewish? Everything has to make sense. They must calculate it. You must prove it. The deity of Jesus. Is the Bible not a bunch of fables written by old and dead people that didn't really know what they were doing? How can you say to me that being gay is wrong? LGBTQ, I, J, K, X, Y, carrot, raise the power, bracket, divided, asterisks, Christmas lights. <laughs> it, it keeps going because man is going to destroy himself till he disintegrates. And the saving grace is this. So he says all of this happens, but he now says, verse 23, but we preach. What do we do? We preach Christ crucified to the Jews. It is a stumbling. Oh my God, I wish I could help somebody now. He said that when we are preaching Christ crucified, the person who is Jewish is like, no, be this one we want. I'm asking for a wife. You're saying I should do so winning. Stumbling block. What he does not know is that, listen, I'm asking for a wife. I say I should do so winning. The reason you are not married is there's a dimension of long suffering in your life that God wants to help you with through soul winning. Are you understanding that? Yeah, no, I, mean, I just want a wife. I want a wife. God is saying you are too impatient. So if I send you a wife now, you know I will see the person. But if you join this business of soul winning, after you've stood by the bus stop, two people have given you shako, shakara. You've eaten humble pie. Your humility level goes up. The next time you see that sister, she gives you an attitude. You are more patient because after three engagements, perhaps the Lord. What I'm trying to say is that God is not despising your need. He has factored the fulfillment of your need into your assignment. I said in the first service, Paul didn't have the goal to be the most read writer in the world, but he's arguably the most read writer in the world because he was fulfilling the assignment. So your personal one is a, is a tiny sliver. So the Jew says, no, this is a stumbling block. By the way, how many of you know that sometimes you need to stumble if you're moving in the wrong direction? So God is using this gospel message as a stumbling block to say to somebody, you've been running after dead things that will not matter two seconds after you breathe your last year. You've been setting all those targets that you've not even met for years and years. All this amount of money we're putting together to buy one, we've won, you wore it two times, nobody noticed, and now it's already getting torn. Why are you spending your money on what will not last forever? And why are you stuck on the accolades and the compliments of people when I wanted to partner with me to bring souls higher into the kingdom I want you to be able to stand at the end of the age and see a long line of people coming and you're going to say I thought they were only 75 but they are 2,765 because 17,000
thousand read the tweet, saw the status update on WhatsApp, followed you on Instagram, responded to the audio message that went viral, your voice over about your personal story, in the hand of God, once you set your heart to it, he multiplies it, he multiplies the message, he multiplies the tractor, he multiplies the voice note, he multiplies the prayer, he multiplies the Insta story, he puts it where he needs to be, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man who takes three measures of flour and one measure of yeast and puts one measure of yeast and it explodes and fill the place. Somebody shout gospel power. I didn't plan to preach this morning but I feel a preach anointing on me. I'm imparting grace for evangelism this week. Let fire burn in your belly, burn in your soul, burn in your mind, burn in your thinking. I ashobayata rataka let something consume you let something move let something shift in this house oh yeah toss palata rapokatea gospel power gospel preaching remember remember for this purpose where you called god is raising an army it's not an army of imaginary things it's not an army of the figment of our imagination we are plundering hell we are bombarding the gates of hell he says that nobody can take the goods of a strong man except the first of all pines the strong man will pine every strong man of fear will pine every strong man of self-consciousness will pine every strong man of deception will pine every strong man of self-centeredness will pine every strong man of negative thinking somebody shout I bind you devil I bind self-consciousness I bind self-centeredness I bind self-containment I bind self-deceit I bind, bind, bind I will open my mouth I will preach I will declare I will announce I feel the Holy Ghost I feel like preaching somebody open up your mouth say I'll preach this week I'll preach this week he said well, to us but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God he said this is the reason buddy he says because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man I prophesy over your life this week you will say it was just an update on whatsapp that's how she started crying it was just a phone call that's why he started confessing it was just a hamper I just wrote a note in the small hamper the hamper was just 7,000 now just one note but it said you told me my life father do the work this morning father do this work this morning uh, in our hearts in our minds in our spaces uh, explode grace 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 explode grace 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 over every man woman boy girl father mother sister daughter son oh yeah he said the foolishness of God it is greater than your strategy greater than your align your strategic alliances is greater it's greater than your goal list 
place your checklist your blueprint your template it is greater it is greater he said the weakness of God it is stronger than your strength father in the areas where we are physically weak strengthen us emotionally weak strengthen us mentally weak strengthen us financially weak strengthen us spiritually weak strengthen us environmentally weak strengthen us relationally weak strengthen us oratorically weak strengthen us psychologically weak strengthen us doctrinally weak strengthen us evangelistically weak strengthen us communally weak strengthen us socially weak strengthen us Critically weak, strengthen us, personally weak, corporately weak, strengthen us. It's the power of God and salvation remain standing. Still have more to share, but I get a round of. It's the power of God on salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Do you think anybody would be ashamed of finding the cure to HIV AIDS? Cure to cancer. Cure to COVID. Those things have wiped out so many people, and so everybody's looking for a solution. And the people, the will the solution, the authentic pro proliferate the solutions will be celebrated. It said that what we are dealing with is greater than cancer, is greater than COVID, is greater than STDs, STIs and all of that. It's the sickness of the soul. A congenital condition that every human being was born with. The degradation of the soul. Nobody was born in their best state yet you are at your utmost best when you are first born. <laughs> but even that utmost best, I'm talking about the cleanliness of your mind, the simplicity of your mind. I'm not talking about achievements. I'm talking about the state of your heart, tabula rasa. Even that does not bear the full imprint or the cognitive awareness of the provisions of God's grace so that we are now born again and by being born again, the regenerative power of the gospel begins to cause the encoded abilities of God to begin to form because when a baby is born, it's born with all its capacities to produce fingers, textures, hair, eye color all of those are wired in they are encoded, similarly in the seed of God, all that you will become is encoded in that seed, but it is the preaching of the gospel that imparts that seed and then causes that seed to vent and multiply after its kind so that we also begin to bring up more the fourth reason is that God commands it he says go into all the world, Matthew 28 18 to 20 the fifth reason is that sharing is a critical part. It is a critical part of your maturation process. And I think that this is one of the areas in which the enemy has kept the body of Christ immature, kept the body of Christ substandard in the quality of kingdom life that we have access to because a lot of emphasis is given to just come, you know, be saved. But do you know that God matures you by birthing other people. Can I ask you a question? How many of you ever had to take care of a child 
when you were a teenager or when you were 18, 20, before you had a child, how many of you took care of somebody's child by proxy? Wave your hand and raise your hand. How many of you know that you grew up more in those two, three years than in the eight years before? Because there is something about putting the attention on somebody else that makes you more mature. It just, it just changes it. There's something about caring, or maybe you've cared for somebody who's ill, who's ill for three months, six months, or whatever. It, it, it unlocks something in you. Caution, compassion, care, intercessory ability, sensitivity, maturity, empathy, passion, devotion, simplicity, wisdom, judgment, certain things that may never be developed if you are just taking care for you, of yourself. And the same thing spiritually, the some of our spiritual potentials and abilities that have been stunted because the focus of our lives have been the betterment of our daily existence as against the quality of life that will alter and shape the eternal realities of other people. So part of your maturation is hardwired into soul winning. You will not mature certain, in certain dimensions until you embrace this. And number five, is that number five, number six? Number four is God commanded, right? Number five is a critical part of your maturation. And number six, it is the heartbeat of God. And because what is important to God must be important to me, it must be my heartbeat. It must be my heartbeat. So just before we pray, I want to give us the five, the six things I gave in the first service as an action plan. One of the things I... I've been more intentional doing more recently. You notice from October, it's what I, what's, the, what's the next step? What's the action plan? So six things very quickly. It's on the screen. You can just take a quick picture of it. Number one, make a hit list. I'll explain what that is. A hit list is five people, the names of five people, whose salvation you are praying for. Please don't say to yourself, this person is too hardened to be saved. Some of you are sitting already. Why are you sitting? Encourage me to finish except you're really really tired like really really tired so I call the SWAP you didn't give me my acronym give me my acronym I love my acronym it makes it more memorable SWAP 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 it soul with an action plan make a hit list five people whose salvation you are praying for praying for number two pray for a burden for souls and for souls I don't want to complicate I'm not asking you to labor in one hour because that's that's where people fail you must groan. You must labor. Yes, you should. And some of you will grow to that level and capacity. Some of you are already there. You need to revisit it. And you can do that corporately. But personally, I want it to be cultural. Five minutes a day. Not 10, not 20, not 30. Five minutes a day. I want to assure you as we do this this week, all of us are going to see an upgrade in the spiritual temperature of this house and of our lives. So five minutes, set it. 10 to 10.05, 11 to 11.05. If you're a family, you can do it together. As a couple, you can do it together. Five minutes. Pray for a burden. Say, God, see, some of us have to be honest and say, God, this is not a big deal to me. But God, because I love you and you love me, explain how is it doing you? You know, let it break my heart. Number three, there are certain things that were never big deals to me, but they became big deals because of my wife. And I love my wife. So if I love her, I need to be able to enjoy the benefit of transferred burdens. Are you understanding that? If you really care about somebody and something is really, really important to them, it needs to become important to you. Number three, 
number three, deepen your love for people. So three dimensions of interface in the way you think about people, the way you talk to and about people, and the way you relate with them. This one is just a cultural thing. Treat people more like souls than factors. You know, is a is a you know the busier you are, the more you're going likely to treat people as factor. They will become a factor of production. So for some people, when you no longer play that role in their life, they cut you off. Because yeah. they are not treating you as a soul, they are treating you as a factor. They are a factor of production. <laughs> so if you are not in the factory line, you're out. Now it does not mean everybody needs to occupy the same space because you must monitor spaces as well. Some people belong to the outer court, the inner court, you know, but they're still souls. By the way, the Lord explained to me many years ago, he said, it's impossible for you to truly understand the ministry of reconciliation and the gospel and not be at least open to making up with people. It does not mean that you'll become their best friends, but it means that there must always be a grace gap that says, this person does not have to be locked up in my chest. Number four, plan it into your schedule. So pick your soul hour. What is your soul hour this week? That is the hour where if you need to chew orobo or cola nuts or drink bitter lemon to ginger yourself. Like this hour, I'm going to do something either online or offline. I must share the gospel. Some of you might want to wear the mask over your face. Say, I'm very shy. I've never done this in my life. <laughs> but I, some of you want to do a live thing. Do a live thing. Some of you want to do a recording voice. See, it's going to be weird for the first three weeks. How many of you know it's going to be weird? But we have to force ourselves into that. Some of you are brilliant poets and writers. Find ways to do it. Or you might do the kind of voice that I did some, during the NSAS thing that went viral. You don't need to put your name or anything. Just record. But they need to be able to follow up. So you need to put some contact, like, I don't know, King's number or something. Or your disciple in the house, or your master life facilitator in the house. But we need to follow them up. But my assignment this week is let's just share. Eh? Can we share? Some of you might want to take pictures from today. And part of how you are sharing is that you are sharing what I've shared. Then you now commit and say, I'm going to share more with you this week. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Even you get it? Number five, set a time within the next 24 hours. Why? After Tuesday afternoon, life is likely to. That's why many churches have midweek service on Wednesday because most people have already forgotten what they learned by Tuesday. Part of why, not the only reason. Part. So schedule it. Sagat Fitness. You can, you know, find a fit. Fit it into the schedule. I'm not saying you should preach on your Zoom. By the way, we still talk about that. But, you know, find ways. All of us have ways. I spoke about feet in the first service. After the revelation of God's like him upon Paul, then Jesus said, rise and stand on your feet. You know why? Because you can have so much revelation, you are seated in it. But the feet of Jesus even had to move. We looked at Luke 19 into Zacchaeus' house. Jesus carried himself there. We need feet in the barber shop. We need feet. We're thankful for the 200 souls that came yesterday, 300 people or so that we had two months ago. We're going to do that possibly every month, but at least every two to three months, we're going to have a community outreach. And we'll keep growing that. My wife and I were speaking about three or so weeks ago that at some point we might even have to start a service that is more of a vernacular service. 
there are so many things I want to share with you guys about the skill of the work that I, I'm not sure I can share now because the work is a lot. Because when we're reaching out to a community like that, at some point I want to do a vernacular service for them. A pigeon service, a Yoruba service. Are you understanding? By next vacation Bible school, GB, we're, we're likely going to be running a vacation thing here. Or a jam school. Something There's work. Let me announce you, this place is already too small. They're still locked down. And we're not even as effective with social distancing, but the two services are already full lockdown because there's an extra 80 to 100 persons that are not coming for service that are already a part of the ministry because of the lockdown, lockdown-ish. So when everything is in full throttle within two to three months, you're running three services and all of that. Now, for us to run it effectively, it cannot just be a burden on my heart or the head of the leadership. All of us must understand this. Because where we're going about with master life, with, with uh, the specialized training missionary map, it's a, it's a whole lot. If I show you, it's a whole lot. But I don't want to overwhelm you. But let's start building spiritual capacity and competences. We're soul winning. And the last thing is, so that 48 hours set it. The earlier the better. And I've spoken about review as well. Some things that need to change the way we do our reviews. Some of those reviews are going to be training or feedback or ce celebration or corporate evangelism or blast posts on all the platforms at the same time. Not just all of us in WhatsApp, Revelation dancing on Revelation. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I don't despise it, but as a ministry evolves and moves, things also have to shape. You, you get what I'm saying? But if there's a lot on the inside of you, we need to connect more. You're carrying so much. You've been doing exploits from school. Chris, you've been here for like six Sundays now. Come out, come out. Over the next 48 hours. You know what I want next week Sunday to be? I might not even preach or teach next week. I want us to have a soul festival next Sunday. Soul festival. Soul testimonies. Let the testimonies, some of them might be perfect, some of them might be imperfect, some of them might be complete, some of them might be in process. But let there be a palpable, energetic expression of the explosion of God's grace. That I did a graphic design or I shot something or you know did this or I walked on the streets and this is the malam that came or this is the bull driver I spoke to on the way home glory to the most high God finally expect divine opportunities you're not thinking about that the Lord illuminates your mind shows you somebody walking down from your local store and all of a sudden you just feel a connection can I pray with you man and when you're doing those things from the heart of love you'll be amazed that thing you call miraculous power, it loves soul winning. It was given to make soul winning easier. Miraculous, Daniel, God will walk miracles through your hands. God will walk miracles through your hands. Eyes that are deformed will be healed. Legs that are not straight will come into alignment. Jason, Cougar, everybody in the house, T-Banch. We're going to see an exp explosion of apostolic and prophetic signs in the house over the next two, three, four, five, six months. January is a month where I'm going to be teaching like this foundations. Foundations. Why do we give? Why do we worship? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we? And all of that. Our time is fast spent, but let's just make this commitment together. Father, say Father. Father. Say it louder. Say Father. Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your truth. It is life in me. It is light through me. This week, I light up my world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
this week you speak through me you breathe through me you heal through me you preach through me you minister through me this week this week I share this gift to the glory of your name now speak to yourself say Dami Lola you are loaded with power and the spirit of faith you are no longer a slave to fear you are not intimidated by the look on their faces by the disposition of the environment by the pool of the culture by the challenges of your personal scenario but you take out time this week to meditate to retreat to recess to intercede to consolidate and to share the gospel and this week you win souls say this week lord i trust you to win at least two souls through my life holy spirit i'm ready holy spirit i'm available holy spirit i am here invade my life flow through my tongue flow through my life in jesus name we have prayed somebody give god praise grace is multiplied grace is multiplied grace is multiplied grace shout grace grace thank you jesus generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings to join this growing community of kings visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.